Fuck kite tangi a te kori mako Ko rero flowing at the hooker force Ko papa relevant, ko papa out of bounds Ko papa exigent, ko papa paramount Nā ko nā whakapiri mai kite Ko papa tino whakahira hira Whakarongo pi kari kari mai Hare hare mai, o tāringa hare hare mai We gotta gather up close everybody Gather up close everybody Kāne kāne move that body Kāne kāne move that body Tēnei a matari ki koa eke ki te urunga tapu, ki te urunga kakitea, ki te urunga kāraoea, tū te whiwhi ānuku, tū te whiwhi ārangi, tū te whiwhi ki a taringa e mihi nei, tēnā koutou e ngā iwi, nau mai, hara mai, nau mai, hoki mai ki te punua, pāho o taringa. And here I am holding it down in the bustling metropolis of <laughs> Te Awamatu. <laughs> and I'm the only one in the studio. How about that? Kwa hoki mai au kite podcast. Next minute, I'm the only one here. But don't worry, Etefano. I've got Parone on the Zoom. Te nā koutou te iwi and you know, cover up. Kuina te wātua tahi. Nā Erika te mihi. Yeah, give it up. Mihi and mai, that was a great mihi ete tuahine <laughs> e mihi aki ana and you know manawatia matariki manawatia matariki manawatia matariki ne faka manawatu ne hau ki a koe tēnā oh, koe thank you tēnā koe well you know I better not hold up this charade <laughs> Paraone wrote it for me <laughs> so thank you thank you Paraone I was just the voice to the words and a great voice you were <laughs> And I'm sure our kai tautoko te mangai pāho and irirangi te motu would have just loved that mihi along with all of Ngai Taringa and our new listeners. I see what you did there, just <laughs> <laughs> I missed out the mihi to our, our kai tautoko. Thank you. <laughs> yes, and coming at you. This is a bit like on the pie when um, someone gets up to do their kōrero and then they miss something out. And then the Waiata Tautoko people come in and then whisper the little bits they forgot in their ear. <laughs> That's what just happened there. A modern day context of that. <laughs> oh, tika. Anyway, yeah, Tiwi. So we've got a pretty cool co-papa today. It's going to be all about our illustrious main host, Parone Gloin. So I'm pretty much the kai ui ui. And we have Parone here. He's our Manuhiri, but not our Manuhiri. I'm going to be asking him lots of stuff. But before we get to that, I'm going to throw it over to Parone to give us a kiwaha. Kiwaha. I had a kiwaha. And then. We actually set this show up to be a patapatai. Yes. And in the wairua of Taringa, <laughs> usually it's me, but this time it was Erica. Because I actually felt the wairua of this as well, Erica, Ifakaya Tuo. And she had the idea, you know what? After our last show, she came away with some fakaro about me. And she thought she wanted to make this show or give it an opportunity for her to ask me, Patai, about. My life, I think. Kuna te fakaro ni Erica. Alright. And um, before we get to any part, I eat the fakaro ki etahi itoku ao. So I was thinking of you know people that 
have played a major part in my life and brought me into existence. Say so, fakaro naiki taku mama. Oh, cool. Yeah. And um, i mate taku mama te kauma fatau kamahu ene. Wow. Yeah. It's been 14 years. And my mum, taku mama, her name was Yvonne. Her Māori name was Te Waingongo and her nickname was More. So what? Te Waingo? Te Waingongo. Te Waingongo. Yeah. Te oh. Waingongo was a tana ingo Māori. Tana ingo Pake was Yvonne. Yvonne. But her nickname was More. 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 And because she... <laughs> it's a More. It's a More. <laughs> and my mum would stand up when that was sung at the pa. Yeah. <laughs> in our party. But more means to be gummy. Oh, okay. Yeah, so my mum was like the first one in her generation, I think, to get all her teeth pulled out and get false teeth. So she her nickname was More. More. Anyway, she didn't speak much te reo mm, yes. to me as a boy in growing up. When she had a few wines. Her mātanga. Well, not a mātanga, but she would definitely be quite karere te reo. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but one other thing she said when I was a little boy, when I was getting sleepy, she would say, "Ko kuni kuni o karu." Oh, isn't kuni kuni like shy? I don't know, but kuni kuni means to move. Okay, and I always thought it was the look. I never actually looked the word up, so I was just thinking about this iterane, and I use it today when I see people that are tired. I say, kwa kuni kuni o karu. Kwa kuni kuni o karu. Yeah, kwa kuni kuni o karu. And that's a memory I have of my mother. And then, you know, she would say that to me and I think it would just make me more tired. Yeah. And I just thought it meant you got sleepy eyes. Yeah. But um, just recently, like 15 minutes ago, yes. I looked up the word kuni kuni. Okay. Now on te aka, it's only got a couple of whakamarama there, which don't make sense. But on the other dictionary I use, and I didn't look at pātaka kupu, and I should have, but the other one is wakareo, word stream, and kuni kuni means to rub. Ah. Yeah. So now yeah. I sort of know, yeah. yeah. When, and you know, when you're tired, nearly you rub your eyes, you do, yeah. and your eyes look like they've been rubbed. Yeah. So... That's a kiyanga from my... It's not really a kiwahaenga, it's an expression. One of the few that my mother used. So while she wasn't a fluent speaker, mum definitely dotted te reo in her conversation and when she was speaking to us, because, you know, how she was brought up. Yeah. Another word she would use was parore. 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 Now, parore means to sort of wander around. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Because I've heard it used in the context of a haere. Yeah. Parore haere. Yeah, parore. But see, I never, I only heard that word, we say parore, but I've heard other iwi, particularly tūhoi, they say karore. Oh, yeah. You know, always gone on the karore, kaita karore haere, whereas we say parore. And, you know, I heard my auntie use it as well, Auntie Uru or Te Uru Whakarewa, who's like my second mum. Yeah. And also my tipuna, my kuia, parore. And another word she would use is something was all sort of wiggly or messed up. It was perori. Perori. Yeah, yeah. So there's some little kupu and sentences that while my mum wasn't a fluent speaker, she 
use te reo through our upbringing. Yeah. And that one reminds me of being a little boy was kwa kuni kuni o karu. Kwa kuni kuni o karu. That's definitely something yeah. I can use on all of my babies. Yeah. And myself. <laughs> yeah. And that's what sort of means. You're getting sleepy, you know. But um, it's actually a verb. Well, I take it now. My interpretation of it is that yeah, you've been rubbing your eyes. Your eyes look sleepy. Kwa kuni kuni o karu. Kwa kuni kuni o karu. Yeah. Oh, So as Paraone said, we're going with the wairua again. And last week, wow, Matariki Kaupapa Nui. I'm sure many of you slash everybody, we had quite a jam-packed week last week. And as you all know, we were at Ako Araro for our episode where we live streamed in front of an audience. That was pretty cool, eh? That was Tino Kurawatu. Tino Kurawatu, there you go. Anyway, everyone who spoke there that I listened to was amazing. I came away from the expo like feeling like that was probably one of the best symposiums I've been to. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the focus on the first day of the Kōrero was about whānau and how whānau have sort of instilled values of te ao Māori, te reo me ona tikanga within their whānau and how they're basically succession planning. Some of the kōrero got me thinking, hey, Paraune actually didn't grow up as a first language te reo Māori speaking person. So I want to know, how did he get from someone like me, <laughs> probably better than me though, to the te reo exponent that he is now. So let's go right to the start. What was your early life like? Now I know you've spoken about it a lot in the past that your tupuna, your nan, your kuia was like sort of your place where you would go and hear a lot of te reo spoken. But in your actual household where you lived and grew up, there was in Rotorua, right? Mm. What was the level of te reo there? Are your siblings into te reo as well? Not then, but I always remember having something drew me to te reo, te ao Māori. I always felt it. Like, I, I have so many memories. You know, I remember when um, a lot of listeners, Ngai Taringa wouldn't even remember, koha, te karere only had, I think, 10 minutes back in the day or 15 minutes, yeah. you know, and I would love watching Te Karere and I didn't understand. I understood a couple of kupu that came out. And as I said, my mum, you know, would use Te Reo here and there. Yeah. But we always went back to the pa, always. I have so many memories of going back to the pa and growing up. We, it wasn't the marae, it was always the pa. We're going to the pa, yeah. something's at the pa. And, you know, yourself, maybe he pera no kutu calling at the pa and growing up with my cousins and things like that. So I didn't even know what there was Māori medium schools the Rawa and Kohanga Reo till I was, you know, probably just going to intermediate. Yeah. So you went to a, like a, you know, mainstream, well, we only had, there was only mainstream, right? In those times? Yeah, there was, I grew up, say, Tupuke au i Rotorua. Yeah. I was born in Rotorua. I was the only one in my family not born in Tainui. Oh. <laughs> Are you the youngest? Yeah, I'm the youngest. And if I know my own, it's a kapu or merepane. I was born on Melbourne Cup Day. 
That's why you've got such a swag dress style about you. <laughs> yeah, and my grandfather wanted my mother to name me after a horse yeah. who was the favourite that year in the Melbourne Cup. And then what happened, cut a long story short, he broke his leg and they shot the horse. Oh. So, <laughs> lucky karetaku mama i whakaingoa i au, i whakai ki te whakaro taku kroa. Yeah. Yeah, but that was my kroa. And again, my kroa died when I was six. Oh, yeah. And I have memories of my kroa, his hat. Yeah. I've got a thing for hats because my kroa wore a fedora. Yeah. You know, all of them did. My kroa and his cousins, who were the kroa of our hapu at the time, there was my grandfather, Koro Brownie Heta, Koro Charlie Marshall, Koro Tommy Rangi Tutia, Koro Moon. Those are the crew I remember. And they, Koro Pau, they all had hats. Yeah. And they all looked gangster, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And we weren't allowed to touch granddad's hat. Oh. It was very tapu. Yeah. I remember using that word that granddad's hat is tapu. Yeah. So I think that's one of the reasons why, no, I, I know it is that I like fedoras, I like hats because I saw my Koroa wearing them, my granddad. We didn't actually call him, call him Koro, his name was, we called him granddad. Yeah. Well, I noticed that. Yeah. Granddad. Yeah, granddad. Granddad's hat is tapu. Yeah. And, he always gave us a te reo lesson. Oh, okay. Maokotaku cousin, my first cousin, uh, which is Annette's brother, Kiriama, and we were very little, and he would get myself and Kiriama, and he would say, e pewhiana koe. And I would say, e paiana, and then he'd ask my cousin, same thing. So this was probably the first lesson I ever had. Yeah. I roto i te reo, ne? Yeah. And it was always, e paiana, e pewhiana koe. Well, one day he asked my cousin first, because my cousin would always copy my answer. Right. And one day he asked my cousin first, Kere ama, e koe. Well, my cousin couldn't remember what to say. Oh, man. And he was like, eh, eh, eh. This, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I've pretty much got the exact same story as you. Yeah. So I have this memory. We went back down to the marae. I don't know what it was for. We're at the marae and, um, yeah, one of the pakeke there saw me and one of my cousins there and came up to us and asked both of us, or me first, I remember, and I knew what she was saying, and I knew that the answer was but I just remember freezing and not remembering how to answer. And then my cousin goes, oh, she doesn't know how to speak Māori. And then she was like, and then I'm being like, I, I know what I'm supposed to say, but it's just not coming out right now. <laughs> Yeah, well, that was my cousin. Yeah. So he ended up going, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> and my my grandfather, my granddad's going, eh, 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 what? And he's like, eh, 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 <laughs> And he starts crying. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and my grandfather, he was lovely, but he was mangu mangu. Yeah. And he had these red lips. But I remember him waking me up in the morning, he'd come in and go, your Muppets on. You know, Muppets was the only thing kids could watch on the early morning when I was little. Yeah. And I'd go watch the Muppets with him. I think in his last years, he wasn't very well. So I remember his bed being in the lounge at my nan's place. Yeah. Or their place. So yeah, taku kroa. But Leo was always around me and I was never sort of shoved away, you know, I hear stories of people being kids and they weren't to be seen yeah. at the pa or around the paipai, but I always hung around the paipai. And um, my grandfather used to call me a blow-ass. <laughs> Hi. 
Well, I thought it was a compliment. <laughs> yeah. But now, you know, blow ass is a fucker put a mohio. Ah. It's probably because, because I was probably listening to all their stories and that's probably why my granddad called me a blow ass. And I said to my mum one time, oh, granddad said I'm a blow ass, mum. <laughs> Thinking it's a, a compliment, Engari. My, I think my grandfather was just being a itifakatoi mai taku kroa. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, my granddad and my kuya, my nan, they moved into town 1982, I think. When you say town, do you mean Tawamutu? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. From yeah. the country. They were like the last ones to leave from there yeah. and come into town. It was quite a big move. And you know, my kuya, she spoke better Māori than English. And she was cooking on a fire right up until that time. And still getting water from the puna. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it took a while for my kuya to transition. And I remember a cousin telling me, my grandfather, because they had a safe. And some of you listening know what a safe is. It was what they stored their meat in. They called it a safe and it hung outside. Yeah. Some flash safes were sort of like a part of the homestead. And they had, it was like a cupboard that was on the outside of the whare, but the door was on the inside. Yeah. The outside had wire to stop flies, but it was to let the air go through. Ah. Anyway, so they had a safe. When they moved to town, they got a fridge. Yeah. And I remember my cousin saying, granddad said to him, oh, something's wrong with the meat. It tastes funny. And uh, my cousin said, yeah, it's fresh. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to aged and dried. Well, yeah, and, le- you know, my cousin remembers the meat being green. Oh, wow. You know, they just cut bits of it off and, you know, pucker pucker it up or fry it up or whatever, you know. You'll have people with similar stories yeah. in their whānau throughout rural Aotearoa. So, you know, my grandparents are pretty old school. Yeah, that's amazing. And my queer was very old school. Some might say... She was colonised, but I think, no, she was very strict on the roles that Kotiro did when there were Kotiro at home and that the boys did, you know. So there were things that girls did, that women did, and there were things that boys did and things that men did. Yeah. And she was very particular too about bedding and things like that, like not touching. These are things I'm seeing now. It was Ngafakaro was to do a tapu and things like that. Yeah. You don't touch another person's bed. It's common sense, really, but you get up in the morning, you don't get in your bed till you go to sleep at night, yeah. you know? Things like that. Um, if we had girls, the girl cousins come and stay, the boys would get to sleep on the couches. The girls would be down. It was tikanga things. Because your kurawa passed away when you were about six, who became your, in how you said your nan was very sort of, there's a place for boys and a place for girls in terms of tapu. Who was your guidance then from the male perspective? Well, they fell on my uncles. Oh, uh, yeah. But unfortunately, you know, two of my uncles who would have been, you know, they were leaders, and I say that in humility, along with many of the others in our hapu, they passed away at a young age, you know, in their 30s, late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. You know, I think now myself and my cousins, these are the um, children of those uncles or two, they've outlived their father. Yeah. But one, so other than those two uncles, which is my uncle Puha and my uncle Johnson, the other one is my uncle Marerahi, is uncle Tabs. And he was actually a nephew to my grandfather. 
But he was like a rock in our whanau. And he's a cousin to my mother. Yeah. So he was someone that I always sort of followed around growing up. And he, she, some kōru, you know, along with the auntie, always shoot from the hip and yeah. things like that. So that's how I was brought up. Yeah. Okay, going back to your school life. So last week I went to Manukōrero where I was the photographer but then also in one of the presentations done by the Ohia whānau at Ako Arado, Kōwhai talked about her upbringing with te reo and that she talked about how she basically had nothing and then had the audacity to enter the Manukōrero competitions and do a 13-minute speech in a language that she didn't know. <laughs> when you were doing these competitions, were you just like memorizing te reo or how strong was your grasp of te reo that you were able to put into your speeches? When I went to intermediate, uh, pirangi te mihi ki taku pauako i aui te kurataka wainga, um, which was te morihutanga o ngā iwi o iharaira tūhua. And he was from te hapu o ngāti kuri o ngai tūhoi and he was affectionately known as Piwai. So he was my poako intermediate. And really, he formalised my knowledge of te reo. Oh, okay, okay. He formalised the teaching of te reo because up until then, it was around me. The same Matt Ōwhata, you know, I had great teachers like Auntie B, Phyllis Tangitu and others, but... No formal learning, but when I was in Nareorua, bilingual at intermediate, nana. Cool. When I went to Rotorua Lakes High, we had a bilingual unit there. And that's why I have a lot of time for, I don't want to call it mainstream, but I, now I call it kura kaupapa pakea. The reality is not all of our tamariki can go to Farekura and Kurakopapa. Ah, uh, yes, I'm definitely learning about that. That's a reality. I mean, I'm a huge supporter of sending them there. Yeah of our tamariki gang there. But in some places, there's just no option. Mm-hmm. But it was a big thing for my parents, I believe, to send me to Reo Rua. Yeah. And it was sort of a new thing then. We only had Rua Mata and Rua. Oh. I wanted to go to Rua Toki. Oh, it was a bit <laughs> out of the way. <laughs> yeah, I did. I wanted to go to Rua Toki. But by the time I got to high school, you know, my teachers, Hukarere Mohi, the late Hukarere Mohi, who was Mita Mohi's wife. Ah, cool. Both mentors. Auntie B, again, she taught social studies. And then Rangitihi Pene, he was really head of department. And Koronapi, he was our toy teacher. Ah, cool. Yeah. By the time I got to high school, I was able to sort of articulate my thoughts down on paper. And Rangitihi says, oh, Pick one of these kōrero and write. So I did. And he fixed my speech up. Cool. I didn't know what mana kōrero was. And then um, nāna taku kōrero i tika And he added some bits in there, both of us together. And then we went to Murupara. Yeah. And eh, hikama. Katai mātauki Murupara and the pōwhiri was at Pai Noiho. Oh, yeah. And then the Whakataitai was at Rangatahi College. 
And ina te mahi a ngā Māori reira. Yeah. You know, there was this whole world I was unaware of was manukōrero. Right. Would this have been one of the first... Was the first manukōrero I ever attended. Yeah. And I was in. Yeah. And my section, I was in Rāwhiti i Haka. Yeah. And I was, I remember we were in the library and it was packed. Is that, that's the junior Māori section. Yeah, got the junior Māori tēnei. Yeah. And anyway, cut a long story short, I won. I tōhau. Wow. Didn't think I was going to get anywhere. Yeah. And I remember someone saying, and ka whakarongo pē taku hoa tāmati ki tēnei, but I didn't know manukōrero, but I won that one. I heard people saying, oh, i piti ia ia tāmati. This is Tamati, yeah, yeah, Takua, yeah. Tamati Waka. Yeah. I didn't know who Tamati was because I didn't even know Manukorero. Yeah. And in those days, because I was in Tarawa, the whole area was considered Waiariki. Oh, yeah. So there would be Tarawa and Matatua and Tauranga Moana as well. Yeah, yeah, Tauranga Moana, yeah. And one big whakataitai. Waiariki, yeah. Now it's all separate. Yeah. I remember being at school and sort of Manukorero and and being in the Kapaka team sort of went hand in hand. At that time at school, were you part of Kapahaka as well? I yeah. And you know, he podio because we had a van. Yeah. We only took a van load. I think we went over on Matua Rangiti. I still call him Matua today. We went over on his van, I think. And we got there and all these schools, they had buses. Buses, wow. We had a van. I think there was five, six of us. Yeah. Every other could have had these big, huge waiata prepared to do for their, you know, hey, tautoko i o rātou kai kōrero. Yeah. But, you know, we went over humble. And then um, i muri tērā, cut a long story short, i haereki o tautahi. And that's how I met Leon. Leon Blake was in my section. Oh, wow. And, you know, I was fortunate to win the, the national competition. That was 1994. Holy. That, so that was your first year at Manukōrero. <laughs> you went straight from winning the regional competition to winning the national competition. That's amazing. What was amazing for me, I still feel e when we pulled up to Painoiho and I sort of got a idea of the enormity of the kaupapa yeah. i te rawa. So they were good days made, you know, I met Kingi then. I was, I was Mātai, I was there when he did his, his kōrero at Aotea Centre, that was the Nationals. Cool. I didn't qualify that year. But yeah, lots of memories of manu kōrero. I remember one of the manu kōrero competitions I went to as a kai tautoko, obviously. <laughs> Back at school, Mātai was, he was usually the MC. Yeah, that was, oh, yeah. that was cool because he was also on Pukana too. That's when he'd come along. Yeah, and it was like, oh my gosh, that's Matai from Pukana, oh my gosh. Mm. Well, he knew where he was at, the one he spoke, he didn't win. He won the Kōrero Tene section of Kōrimako, yeah. but he didn't win the Kōrimako, but he won the Kōrero Tene, and then he went straight into a job after that. Oh, wow. I believe, but okay. yeah, but you know, all of the grounding I got at the pa, and also that I got in Te Arawa. So it was a dynamic time to live at that age, being brought up in your own iwi. Yeah. And then in Te Arawa as well. Yeah. So I think I got the best of both worlds. Cool. And just to mention to you, now, as a boy at the pa, because I didn't live in Te Awamutu, like most of my cousins lived in Te Awamutu, Hamilton and Cambridge. But majority lived in Te Awamutu, yeah. the, of the ahika anyway. There was a country bus back then that stopped at the bottom of the pa. 
And I remember the cousins still had to go to school from the pa. Yeah. So they would catch the bus from the pa ah, to Kura. Yeah. And I would wait for them to come back. Yeah. See? And I would some plead my mother to go to, if I could go to school. And I didn't have any mates because your cousins are your first mates. Yeah. So I would go, and that's how I ended up in the pai pai. Ah. And I'd be a pākiki, and the pākiki is inquisitive. Yeah. You know, I was never sort of pushed away when, and I loved stories, you know, and growing up with my auntie, my mum's second, the one after her, Te Uru Whakarewa, who I referred to quite a bit on Taringa, when I stayed with her, she, we'd stay up all night. You know, she'd be talking the whole time till the sun came up. Yeah, wow. You know, this would be every night. And sometimes my kui would be there too. And they'd be smoking away. You wouldn't do that these days, but <laughs> they'd be smoking. I'd be on the mattress. And they'd be just talking, usually to each other. I'm just listening. Yeah. And I might ask the odd pātai, pātai tamariki nei. Yeah. But it was enough to, you know, sort of feed the fire. And that's the other thing. There was always a fire at my um, kuya's place and at my auntie's place. Yeah. So, you know, there's the thing with the fire. There's a way to it that comes. So, you know, that's why when people say, oh, you know, you were brought up with the old people, it wasn't sort of formal instruction. Yeah. It was sitting and listening. Yeah. To the kōrero tukuiho. Yeah. You know? Nice. And not being pushed away. No. Yeah. Being included. But just one thing I want to share about my auntie Uru is, you know, she was a fantastic storyteller. You know, and my uncle Johnson, he was, and my uncle Pua, they were all fantastic storytellers. You know, and some of that comes out in Once Upon a Timer. Yeah. I remember my uncle had me in tears one time when a story he just made up. You know, when I got older, I realised he just made it up. <laughs> yeah. But I believed it. But anyway, one time my auntie was telling me, it was a kōrero tukuiho. I think I might have been around intermediate age by now, maybe even early high school, maybe 13. And he kōrero mai taku auntie. And I sort of said, oh, ko rongo i tēnei kōrero. I've already heard the story. Well, my auntie went quiet. Hey, and I thought, oh, shit. Yeah. And then she said, you know, e ki, e ki. You know? Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. And she says, you know, when someone tells you something, if you've already heard it, you just sit there and shut up. Because that kōrero they're sharing, they're going to share something new. Or you're going to hear something you may have forgotten. In a different way. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I see a lot of not just rangatai, but even adults switch off. Mm. These days when they hear a kōrero, you know, see an eye roll or, you know, they get on their phone and things like that. Ah, no. Ki te kōrero tukui o. So that was a lifelong lesson. And she's right because many, many other people, not just kaumātua that I've sat with and heard the same stories, my auntie is absolutely right. I've heard different things. I've heard things that I may have missed. Yeah. You know, the first, second or third time. Yeah, I'm definitely guilty of that. If you listen to someone else tell you the same story again, you might hear it from a different perspective. Anna. Yeah. Okay, so I want to go back to your immediate whānau. You know, you've mentioned that your mother did use te reo. She sprinkled it throughout your life, her life. Would you say she was fluent in te reo. No. How come? You know, my mother was told from a young age, marry a Pākehā, follow the Pākehā path. Mm, okay, okay. It was to do with other things. It wasn't just of this concept that um, there were some spiritual matters. Oh, right. It's probably as much as I can share. 
why um you know she was told to go down Kitemoi to Pakeha. You know, she ended up with my dad, <laughs> married my father. My father employed her, she was a rousy, you know, and she ended up rousing my dad. Oh, sheep rousing. You know, and a lot of my uncles and even crew and that worked for my father. And my father recalls the first time he went and met my grandparents going to the homestead that I was talking about and having the best meal he'd ever had in his life that my nan cooked in the fire. Now, I'm talking about a fire, not a coal range. Yeah. So, you know, she had a oomu or a black cast iron. That's what she cooked in. Those um, Dutch ovens. Yeah, sort of like that. Yeah. Cool. And my dad, he was fully supportive. He never pushed me. He saw where my passion was and he supported me in that. And I thank my father for that because, you know, I remember going through, particularly te wāiaui, te kura tuarua, you know, some of my mates, friends and whānau saying that there was no opportunity, there's no life if I was to go down that path of te reo and te ao Māori and, you know, tikanga and... Kapahaka and things like that, you know, yeah. it's a waste of time. Uh, yeah. My father never said that, neither did my mother. Yeah. You know, my father was iau, but my father had the most atrocious pronunciation of te reo. Oh. <laughs> but the intention was there. He'd do his best to say, you know, I think, I don't know if I shared, he used to talk about te kuti when I was little. We went camping in te urewera okay. around te whaiti and he's talking about te kuti. And I'm like, koe a te kuti, you know? Oh, te kōti. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love you, Dad. Oh, cool. That's really cool that he supported you and your passions. And look where you are now. So do you feel like, like you made a deliberate choice to basically surround yourself with te ao Māori? Or was it just a natural progression being around your kuia and your other whānau members? Well, I think I'm part of the choice. I think there's a whole lot of things, a whole lot of layers to how I am today, as with any person. But, you know, identity was a big one. So, iaue ohiana. In primary, at the time, back in the 80s, a lot of Pākehā schools had religious instruction. Right. We had a Bible teacher come in. Yeah, I remember that at primary school. We had that too. It doesn't happen anymore. No. And, you know, she'd have the sticky board and put all these things up and tell stories from the Bible, which I thought were pretty cool. And one day, one of the Bible teachers was telling us about how the Bible came to Te Arawa, And she kept saying, Te Arawa, Te Arawa. And I'm going... Who? What is Tarawa? Yeah. And at the end, she sort of said, oh, put your hand up if you're from Tarawa." And I remember the majority of the Māori anyway in my class putting their hands up. Yeah. And I, um, I Hanepio was dumbfounded. I didn't know what that was. Yeah. And I went home and I was ite Hanepi and I waited for mum to come home and I asked her, mum, are we Tarawa?" And she said, kaore. You are Raukawa, we're Tainui, and Te Me Te Me and your Marias. And I thought, I just had this epiphany. Yeah. I would have been maybe eight or nine. And I said to my mum, why are we living here then? Yeah, yeah. A whole lot of things clicked for me in that moment. Why why we drove for like an hour and a half to get to our pa. Yeah. But my mates 
they were close. Yeah. You know? Probably live next door. Yeah. You know, and then uh, and I just sort of realised why we were a little bit different yeah. to everyone. Oh, wow. Not a bad thing. And I said to mum at that young age, I said, mum, when I grow up, because I, I thought, this is why we go to Taumutu all the time. Yeah. And none of our whānau live in Rotorua. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I said, I'm going to move to Taumutu when I grow up, when I'm big. Yeah. So I think I was a part of that. If we had have been living in Taumutu, this is the other side, and I know, if we had have been in Taumutu, I would have been on that bus I was speaking about. I'm sure of it. Yeah. And I would have missed out on all those things that I got waiting for my cousins, you know. I wouldn't have been, I would have been on the right, bus. Right, right. You wouldn't have been hanging out with all of the pakeke. Yeah. Wow. Learning the waiata, and not just learning the waiata, but the tikanga and things like that, you know. Yeah. Ah, wow. Isn't it interesting how one change could have just catapulted your whole life in a different direction? Ah, no. Okay, so for your formal learning... You were in the bilingual unit at Intermediate and then at high school. Mm-hmm. Following school, I know you did a bit of tertiary study. Where did you go and what did you study? Me and a few others excelled at Te Reo. I kawai tōku kura anake i e mūko te kura Māori o Puketāwhero. So I think I did school C very early, school C Te Reo anyway, and then they just ran out of things to give me and I ended up doing some university papers while I was still at high school. Wow. Which was sort of new back then. Yeah. I did two papers, Iaui Te Kura Tuarua, which was sort of my doorway to go to Waikato eventually. Yeah. When I left high school, I had a bit of a tutu teaching kapahaka at Kura with some friends. I went to Tamaki Makaurau and taught kapahaka there. And then my, my brother-in-law, Waru, was good friends with Tāpeta Wihi, and that's how I got involved with the Wihi whānau and well, Wakahuia and ended up composing for Te Wakahuia. I was 21 at the time. Oh, my gosh. And it wasn't until after then when I started uni. I didn't go straight to uni after high school. I was like, nah. Ah, oh, okay. I want to have a bit of a, you know. Yeah, I want to explore. Haere ki te parore. Haere ah, ki yeah. te parore. Karore, parore. <laughs> what a lot of people don't know is I nearly ran away with the gypsies, but that's another story. <laughs> I went on to Te Whare Wānango Waikato, eventually. Yeah. You know, I got some life experience. Yeah, cool, cool. And there's so many people, you know, that I met through my journeys. I didn't drive. I didn't want to drive, but I got everywhere in the motu. Yeah. You know, I lived by the philosophy. If I'm meant to be at a kaupapa, then... The, the wahingaro will provide a means for me to be there. Okay, I can totally see how you nearly wound up with the gypsies. <laughs> yeah. Or the first time I met Mark Kopua, I bring it up to him when, every time I see him. He picked me up. You know, I was 18. And I hitched a ride with him to Tekuiti. Oh, my goodness. And I went to the first, and this is when, you know, Moko was new as then. Yeah. Kotuku Tibble picked me up in Gizzi one time. Oh, wow. I ended up, you know, there's I got heaps of stories like that. <laughs> wow. Okay. It's funny if you need to do some networking, just try and hitch a ride somewhere. You never know hitch who's going to pick you up. Hiki haiki, hiki haiki, kaua e whakama. But it wasn't hitchhiking. I'd be somewhere, not like hitchhiking at the side of the road. I'll be at a hui. Yeah. And then the hui's finished and someone's there and then they're saying, oh, we're going to such and such kaupapa. And I'll say, oh, yeah. Well, I've got my bag and my blanket. Have you got a seat? And i got some koha. And they go, yeah, come. 
And then I'll just jump on the car and go. Oh, cool. That's how I lived for a few years. Yeah, just ready for those opportunities, I guess, eh? Anna. Okay, so then you went to Te Whareawanago Waikato when you were about 21? Mm-hmm. And were you studying? Major Te Reo and Anthropology. Oh, Anthropology? Yeah. Wow. So was that anthropology, like, according to Māori people or just, like, around the world? Oh, look, I had this idea it was going to be, like, Indiana Jones, <laughs> you know? And um, <laughs> anthropology wasn't all cracked up to what I thought it would be. But never mind, I got my tohu. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's sort of given me some bit of a base to operate from in some of my mahi that I've done in museums currently so I sort of know sort of the um, the western perspective yeah. on things so you know there's lots of experiences but then I met you know when I was studying Te Reo Hotiro was my power call yeah uh, Wharehuia caught the last of Wharehuia Timuti had finished there were lots of great pane actually she'd finished she was finishing and she was doing Tohu Paitahi I didn't do Tohu Paitahi so it was a great time to be at um, Wharewananga. And then my first job was at Te Wananga o Aotearoa. Right, that's where I was going to go. Yeah. So professionally, I would say you are like a highly sought after po tikanga, not just for your tikanga, but also for your te reo. How did you get professionally where you are? Today. Well, it's ima tahau ki te wānanga hei pauako reo. Ah, okay. So I started at te wānanga o te roa as, and it's a tohu that te wānanga doesn't deliver anymore. It was te tohu mā tauranga i te reo, me ona tikanga. And it was a diploma in te reo Māori. And Leon was also, so I reconnected with Leon Blake. He was the tutor in Papaioia. Cool. Um, I was employed by um, Lorraine Anderson, Auntie Missy Tupaya, Got me the interview to come in. Yeah. Came in, no shoes, because I didn't wear shoes back then. Oh I had a big long dread. <laughs> I've seen the I've seen the photo actually. Yeah. So I was a Terrell tutor and then you know, the one that went through its turbulent times, 2005, 2006, and my job was safe, but Kari Paita Wairu Ite Wanga I left the Wananga. I took redundancy and I went and did some work for the Iwi. Well for the entity for Okawa Trust Board as a researcher and I went around and put my skills which were natural I think of that pākiki and being brought up with the Komatua, we had an oral research project. Right, is that where the TV show came about? No, that was after. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, so this was a project under our trust board and I did the training with Alexander Turnbull Library. Cool. She trained me, a few of us but it was only myself and another that ended up doing the mahi and I got to do what I love, which was speak to Komatua. Yeah. And pretty much, I think all of the Komatua that I interviewed, and I don't call them, actually, they weren't interviews, we were sit down cup of teas. Yeah. And they call a yarn. Yeah. You know, you get them comfortable. Those are the best wānangas over a cup of tea. Yeah, sort of like what I wanted and have, I believe, recreated in Taringa. It's a he kōrero rero. He yānanga. Yeah. And that formed the basis for our oral repository at the board that we still have today and you know that's one of the highlights of my life at the moment was being able to spend that time with those komatsu all of them are gone Mm. you know but we've captured their voices on video valuable i think hundreds of hours anyway we clocked up yeah no doubt a very valuable resource for not only 
Fano about your whole iwi. Yeah, and then I came back to Te Wānanga So Doug Ruki was the potikanga before I was. Oh, yeah. And he was leaving and he you know, says, oh, you know, you might want to think about this position because I sort of wasn't a full-time employee. I was more of a contractor. Yeah. And I was still very, you know, i te parore haereau. Yeah. And then I started back at the Wānanga in 2008 in October. As Poutsikanga. Okay. Alongside Auntie Man, Hukiterangi, and Bentham was our Pohere. So when you went into that role, mm. what was the role of a Poutsikanga? E rongotonu anau i te reo o, o tō tātou whaia. She says, we are the conscience of te wānonga o te roa. Please elaborate. Well, you know, there's times, and I think we all do it as Māori, we have the... Our anahera, right? You know, it's like those cartoons. Yeah. You know, it's probably the best way to describe it. You know, those old cartoons usually was Tom and Jerry, and you have the anahera on one shoulder and the rewera on the other one. Yeah. And a lot of the time, the anahera talking to us is our, I call our tupuna sense. We know in our puku and our ngako what's the right thing to do by te ao Māori, by tikanga Māori, and then the, the rewera or the tupu on the other shoulder is telling us, nah, heiaha, take the shortcut, or ne mind the tikanga Māori, ne mind te Māori, just do this. So I imagined when Auntie Ma told me that, it was pretty clear to me, we were that, the anahera, yeah. or the maramatanga, if you like to reframe it, to always be nudging te wānanga o and make sure that we're doing the right thing, you know, by... Tikanga Māori and Te Ao Māori, Mātauranga Māori. Yeah. And then, you know, the role sort of grew into, because I headed writing the Reo Ora, which was our strategic language plan yeah. for the organisation, which fell out of the report that Pāniya Papa and Leon did. Ah, oh, okay. That Te Wānanga Aotearoa needed a language plan. Yeah. Yeah, so another role grew out of that. Yeah. But, you know, mo te ao te tikanga, ko ko experiences that gives you true wisdom. You can't learn tikanga in a book. You can only read about it. You need to live it like anything. Right. Okay. Okay. What would you say is more important to learn tikanga or te reo? You have to throw one of those pātai <laughs> Yep. They're both as important as each other. For some people, te reo is their doorway into tikanga. Mm. And for others, tikanga is their doorway into te reo. Right, yeah. They do go hand in hand. I do feel, though, like, if you don't know any te reo, but you go to a hui, as long as you know some, or you have a bit of a grounding in tikanga, you'll be fine. Yeah. You could get yeah. away with it without knowing te reo. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if the roles, if it, that could be reversed going to something where there's an expectation of you to be a fluent speaker, but you're not, well, you could easily get found out. Yeah, good observation. Okay, well, this time has flown by. It has. (laughs) Oh, we might have to do a part two on this one. But to wrap us up today, since we're talking about pautikanga, do you have any words of advice or wisdom for people who are going into pautikanga roles? You know, be honest to yourself. Me pono. I believe a tikanga role isn't one we wing it 
and fake it till you make it. Mm. Not at all. Because people are looking to you for sound leadership and not just that, you know, one thing Afi Mai said to me, and, and I always say this, and she said, a good potikanga is the glue that sort of helps hold everything and everybody together. Right. Ne? Make sure there's no leaks in the waka. Exactly. And everybody feels safe, you know, that they can depend on the potikanga and that their advice, and not just advice, but, you know, Uncle Bob Ngāpō used to say, show me, don't tell me. A potikanga needs to be able to show what they're talking about because there's no other greater example to people so they're confident in you by you showing how to enact te ao Māori, tikanga Māori. Don't just talk it, you know. Mm. So yeah, walk the talk, but be a good example. You're a role model for te ao Māori yeah. and a kanohi for your whakapapa. Yes, so don't exactly. Belittle your position and take it seriously, very, very seriously. And that's why I think, you know, a lot of potikanga positions, I was looking at one the other day, not that I'm looking for another job, but I saw someone advertise, I'm not going to say who. And I thought, oh, you know, it's specialist advice that you're giving. And it's years and years of accumulated experiences, knowledge and practice and be a practitioner. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's an underpaid role in a lot of instances that I've seen. Yeah. Not that it's about the money, but I think that, you know, some of these organisations that have these positions need to be looking at the skill base and the knowledge base and the wisdom that's expected from one that holds a role, like Pōtikanga. Yeah. You just reminded me of something that was said last week too at Ako Arado. We learn te reo to be te reo practitioners. So we learn it to practice it, not just to learn about it, not just to write it down in books and stuff. We learn it to practice it. And I just thought that moment when whoever it was that said that, something clicked for me about what it is to be a practitioner. Exactly. No, and you know, just to sort of go on, because keeping with the matariki, tēnei wā, the bigger picture stuff about matariki eh, is practicing in the taiao. Yes. So, you know, once, and I, I know everybody sort of at different points of their journey in regards to uh, matariki. Some have just started having their umukohu fetu. Some have been doing it for a while, but they, they didn't actually know what they were doing, yeah. but they, what they did, they wanted to acknowledge matariki, but now we've got a bit more knowledge around it. So there's more of it for us to unpack yeah. in the jigsaw pieces and put together and practice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to me about your life, basically. I know we we sort of skipped through and there's so much more that we could have unpacked, but hopefully the audience have got something out of that. I, I feel like they would have. I feel like everybody wants to know all about you, Parone. So thank you for being open to having this conversation with me. Kia ora and it was, you know, a couple of times there I had to sort of hold back the tears when I think about, you know, a lot of my mentors, teachers who aren't here anymore. Yeah. I've been given the gift. We all have this koha, a taonga that's been handed on to us and the least we can do is keep handing it on. And, you know, as I shared in Taringa, this was my dream for Taringa, for it to be um, 
you know, a conduit to sort of keep the fire burning when it comes to kōrero te kuiho and sharing whakaaro. So, mihi ake ana kia koe tō whakaaro, tēnā koe. Tēnā koe. Wa ana i te waiata o te wiki no te kōpai o te kākano. Nā, and I think that's the name of their group too. So, there's a a o there. He waiata nā te kākano, nō te kōpai o te kākano. <laughs> oh, leave that as a wānanga for you guys. And ko te waiata ko hikaia te ahi kōmau, ana ko perewi hongi rao ko Mikaira Berry, e waiata nai tēnei tēnā. Whakarongo mai, hikaia te ahi kōmau, because we've been having kōrero about ahi. Aye. Oh 
You know, uh, I didn't even talk about my my little career that we had that I had in a band for one part of my life, but I'll leave that kōrero. Engari e mihi ake ana and ten arawa tu koutou te kākano and um, yes, he kaya te ahi kōmau. And while we're talking about te ahi, or while I am, there were times when the ahi, there was this particular ahi, te ahi kōmau and te ahi tāmau, which was in the whare wānanga. And when he sort of got to a close, you would bury the motu motu ahi, okay. or the kunga kunga, which are the embers. Embers. And then when you're ready to start your kōrero again, you sort of dig the embers back up, and you reignite them. Oh yeah, the same And one. that's what, um, yeah. And that's the nature of kōrero tukuiho, when you get people together around. So we're going to put some dirt over our ahi kō maui te wāne, right. and then kahoki mai ana tātou will be able to spark it up, stoke it up spark again. Spark it up again. But so was there significance of why they were recycling the old ones? Was it to like carry on from that same kō rero? Well, that one we will leave for another okay. episode. E mihi ake ana e te iwi, hei kona mai rā. You know, Erica, you did a wonderful job in Mihiakiana. Oh, thank you. I enjoyed our cool little. Oh, kapai. <laughs> anyway, hey, Kona. He mea tuku nā te wānanga o Aotearoa. A, nā te māngai pāho me irirangi te motu i tautoko. To listen to more episodes, search for us on your podcast app and subscribe, or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Taringa, whakarongo mai. <laughs>